The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and today we continue... Oh boy, I'm tired of saying journey. Journey, trek, I don't know what else to call it. But this is part five of ElfQuest. My rereading of a series that I fell in love with back in the 80s that I've never finished. I've read the original quest a number of times, but beyond that never finished any of those books. So this is my opportunity to go back and reread them all, and I'm taking you with me. So it's been a bit since part four, so I thought I would try and just catch you up a little bit. Just remind you where last we left. We've got the world of two moons that is inhabited by elves, trolls, and humans. The elves and the trolls are not indigenous to this world. They arrived on a spaceship that could change its shape. And in this particular case, it changed into what looked like a giant castle, which the elves call the palace. And the original elves they refer to as the high ones. We follow a particular tribe of elves called the wolf riders. These are elves that are descendant from one particular high one who, when the elves crash landed on the world of two moons and were set upon by the humans who feared them as demons. This one particular elf took off into the forest and she ended up using her magic to shape change into a wolf. Uh, she stayed as a wolf for a long time and truly became a wolf and found a pack, found a mate. They had a pup together, which was a kind of a wolf-elf hybrid, more elf than wolf. And from there, the wolf riders come. So... The Wolf Riders have this beef with a tribe of humans nearby. They have a fight. The humans burn down the forest that they live in. The elves have to get away from the fire. And so they go down in the caverns of the trolls. Now, the trolls have a very uneasy alliance with the elves. The trolls make weapons. They, they tunnel and they forge steel weapons and jewelry and whatnot. And they trade that to the elves for meat. And food, basically, because the trolls don't like to come out from their tunnels, especially during the day. So the elves escape a fiery death by going down into the trolls' caverns. But while they're down there, the elves offend the trolls, and the trolls send them down a tunnel, saying the the the, the troll king says, "If you go, we're go- we're going to send you to another home, a, a beautiful green forest, even better than the one." that you lost. And so they send them on their way and trick them into coming out of this tunnel into a desert and then collapse the tunnel behind them. So the elves are stuck. And so they have to cross this desert. And when they get, well, not to the other side, but at one point they get to another settlement of elves. They are referred to as the sun folk and the village is called Sorrow's End. The wolf riders having had a real, they had a really rough time. And so 
they've decided we're not going to ask for help anymore. We're going to take what we need. And so they raid the Sunfolk's village of Sorrow's End. And during the raid, the chief of the wolf riders, Cutter, he sees a woman, a female elf by the name of Lita. And suddenly there is a bond between them. There's this thing among the elves called recognition, which is a magical bond between a male and female that forces them basically to propagate the species. If if uh, the bond is called recognition and if, the, if someone is bonded, if they meet each other and, and recognition snaps into place, then they really have no choice but to mate and create children. Now, this can be a lifelong, they're, they're, they're soulmates, and this can be a lifelong thing where they're just together, man and wife, for the rest of their lives, or this can just be, you know, they just get together to uh, propagate the species and have other, you know, love interests on the side. The wolf riders, however, believe that when there's recognition, it means it is you are a life mate, your partners for the rest of your life, and uh, Sunfolk don't quite believe that. And Lita looks upon Cutter as a barbarian and an animal and part wolf, and wants nothing to do with him. Now there is a particular member of the Sunfolk village. His name is Rayak, and he he and Lita have kind of had a uh, love hate thing going for a while. They're they're the, like the best of friends, but he loves her. She doesn't quite know if she loves him, but he just assumes they're gonna be lovers in the nighttime for the rest of their lives. They will be, even though there's no recognition, they will be together forever. Because as far as they know, they're never going to meet any other elves. And and the Wolf Riders were kind of the same way until these two groups got together. Well, Rayak is really upset regarding this intrusion of these barbaric elves and most especially this recognition between Lita and Cutter. And he and Cutter clash. They they have a big challenge uh, where they have a contest of, of three trials, Cutter wins, and Rayak, in his anger, leaves the village. In the issue before this one, after that happens, the Wolf Riders get together. They're they're all living in caves just outside of Sorrow's End. Sorrow's End is kind of like in this valley or this area that's surrounded by mountains or at least really tall hills, rocky hills and not and whatnot. And the the elves or the wolf riders are living in caves in these hills. And so one night they have this thing that they call the howl and it's kind of a celebration and they celebrate somebody among the tribe, past or present. And in this howl, they decided they wanted to celebrate the life of Cutter's father who has passed. His name was Bearclaw. And they go through this whole story about this monster that lived in the forest called Mad Coil, which was a magic, chaos magic that was left over from when the High Ones landed just these pockets of magic that were left and a saber-toothed tiger and a giant snake were fighting and they encountered this magic and they became melded as one creature called Mad Coil that could send. Let me explain what that is real quick if you're not sure. The elves at their core are magical. Some of them show that in different ways. For example, Lita is a healer. There's a a wolf rider named Red Lance who is a, well, they call him a, a tree shaper which means he can have make plants do what he wants them to do. He can make plants grow and, and shape trees to do various things. He hadn't really shown any magical abilities up to this point. There are also rock shapers. Rayak can control animals to a certain extent with his mind, and he can levitate small objects. There is a particular person within the Sunfolk called Sava who's, who's older than everybody else, 
They the wolf riders think that she is a high one because she's very tall. The high ones are very tall, like as tall as humans, whereas younger elves are are about four feet in height. They they're built like children. She can project her mind outside of her body and do all this crazy stuff. But the wolf riders, the sun folk don't seem to be able to do this, but the wolf riders all are able to speak to each other telepathically and they call it sending. So as they're telling the story about Bear Claw and Mad Coil and how they took care of Mad Coil, Lita hears them howling from her hut that night and she creeps out and she hides behind some rocks and she watches all this, this them tell this story and she starts to have a begrudging respect for Cutter and his people and it confuses her because she wants to hate him so much and so she creeps away and that's where the issue ends, which leads us into issue five, the main subject of today's episode. Are you ready? I hope so. The title of this issue is called Voice of the Sun. And we open, it's been a few weeks, maybe a month or more since the howl. And the wolf riders are slowly starting to integrate themselves into the Sunfolk society. We see Red Lance, who has planted some seeds and... He's sitting there with one of the sun folk who is a gardener and the, the, the elf is telling Red Lance, you know, just staring at the patch where you put the seeds is not going to make it grow. You have to really work at, you know, what are you, some kind of idiot? And this is where we learn that Red Lance's tree shaping powers are really starting to take hold and a little sprout comes up out of the ground. Skywise, who is like Cutter's hetero life mate, they're bros, they're best friends. He is up on this big arch of stone where Lita's father, who is the um, speaker of the sun, I think that's what he's called. I can't quite remember. That might be a Dragonlance thing. Um, he is blind. He has he had given his eyes to the day star, as he calls it, a long time ago. And he, the, the sun folk use the sun. It kind of guides them in their everyday life, when to plant, when to sow, when to, to do various things throughout the year. And Skywise accompanies him up to the top of this arch. Skywise, he has that name because he's very interested in stars. He has a, a, a piece of rock that he hangs around his neck, which was the reason why they got into a disagreement with the trolls in the first place and got set on this path out into the desert because there was a giant, there was a big stone, a big boulder at the foot of the troll king's throne that was magnetic. And the Troll King said it fell from the sky. And so obviously Skywise is really interested in it and he won't leave it alone. And the, the freaking Troll King punches him in the face to get him away from the stone and just crap just starts going down because of that. Cutter's like, oh, no, you didn't. That's my boy. You don't touch my boy. And he takes his sword and he carves off uh, a chunk of stone and he gives it to Skywise and he hangs it around his neck. And because it's magnetic, he can hold it up and it will point to the north at all times. And he marks the point that points north. And that's how he is. That's how he guided them through the desert. They followed the lodestone is what he called it. And it took them straight to Sorrow's End. Anyway, he's up there with Lita's pop and they're talking about the sky and the sun. And Skywise says, you call the sun a star. Wouldn't that be amazing if the sun was actually a star? And Lita's dad kind of smiles to himself because he knows it is a, it is a star. Well, then there is a big rumbling. There's a volcano in the distance that start. It doesn't erupt, but it rumbles and causes an earthquake and smoke comes up out of it. 
And right away, Lita's dad is is worried. So he needs to be able to see what's coming from the base of this volcano, but it's too far away for Skywise to see. So he calls for one of the wolf riders whose name is Scouter. He howls for him. Scouter comes up. He's a younger wolf rider. He would be like a teenager. He's probably in, in human years. He'd probably be like 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. Well, he's got very, very good eyesight. And Skywise says, we need you to look down there by the volcano and see what you see. I don't know why everybody's so worried. It was just a noise. You know, we had a volcano over in the forest where we lived and it did nothing but belt smoke all the time, blah, blah, blah. Well, Scouter, he's looking and he's looking and he's looking. And then he sees coming from the base of this volcano, a herd of, they call them zwoots. They look like a horse crossed with a camel. They're really big and they're very powerful and they are stampeding towards the village. And so they raise the alarm. The sun folk leave the village. They go to the caves where the, the wolf riders are and they're like, it's okay. We just need to hang out here for a bit. These, the, the stampede will go by. They may destroy some stuff, but then we can, we can come back to the village. And the wolf riders are like, wait, you just let them do this? And the sun folk, well, you know, what are we supposed to do? They're, they're these giant, rampaging, muscly, powerful creatures. And the wolf riders say, well, I'll tell you what, we will fix this for you. And they all climb on their wolves and they go to the outskirts of the village and they wait and they wait. And finally, here come these zwoots stampeding in. And the wolf riders manage to herd them around the village. And once that's done, once the village is saved, the wolf riders then go on the hunt to kill them some zwoots so that they can have fresh meat for dinner that night. Well, during this confrontation, during this whole thing, this hunt and this herding of the animals, one of the wolf riders, another young wolf rider, her name is Dushine. She's actually the girlfriend of Scouter. They don't have the recognition, but they're in love with each other. She gets injured, and Lita sees this happen, and she puts herself in harm's way to snatch up Dushine and get her out of danger, but she's so angry that the wolf riders would allow this child to be put in harm's way like that, and Cutter, he comes to Lita, and he's like, look, I know that we that you don't like me. I understand that because they've been up to this point between issue four and then up to this point, they've tried to talk a bit about this and they're still struggling with this whole recognition thing. She doesn't want to let go and allow him into her life. And he is just, his. he's just been destroyed by it. He doesn't eat. He's growing thinner. And he says, look, I know you don't like me. I, I understand that, but if if you would help her, if you would heal her, I will do anything. I will leave the village and I will stay away from you forever. And Lita kind of snaps his head off. I don't care what you do. And she takes Dushine back to her hut and she heals him, heals her. She heals her. And uh, that's when she notices that Cutter's gone. And it kind of, there's, there's a part of her that kind of wakens and wakes up and she's like, she kind of starts to understand. Something about this whole experience makes her realize that she probably shouldn't be fighting this so much. And she goes to seek him out and uh, they end up, they end up hooking up. Once it is official that the two have joined, there's a big celebration in the village. Sava sends out her astral form to seek out Rayak out in the desert. And she tells him what happened. Rayak is, you know, he's like, well, I figured it would happen. Obviously, it's recognition. I did assume that she would let him dangle for at least a year, but whatever, that happened quicker than I thought it would. And 
Savas says, will you come back to the village? And Rayak says, no, no, I can't come back. And Sava kind of says, well, you know, just because it's recognition doesn't mean that they're in love. You guys might be able to come to some sort of an arrangement. And I almost felt like she was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And he says, no, I can't do that. It's her, if, if I'm going to be with her, nobody else is going to be with her. And he says, I have to do what the Wolf Riders did. They set out to find their path, their home, their destiny. I have to do that myself. And he sets off into the desert riding a zwoot. The issue ends. We're back in the village. The, the celebration is going on. And some of the wolf riders pull Cutter and Lita aside. And they say, hey, Red Lance has got a gift for you. We, we've, we've got a gift. We've got something to present you. And they stand aside. And this plant that Red Lance had planted had grown into a bush. And, it, and it, it's a dreamberry bush. This is something that they had in the, the forest where the, the wolf rider's home was that they called the Holt. And they're berries that if you eat them, you basically get drunk or stoned, one or the other. They don't really quite explain. And the trolls would use the dream berries to make wine. Well, Cutter is like, holy crap, dream berries. I didn't know that those grew here. And so, well, no, they don't. Pike, one of the wolf riders, stashed some seeds when we were escaping the forest. And he says, haha, leave it to Pike to think about dream berries when his whole life is collapsing down around him. And he goes, where is Pike, by the way? And they said, oh, he's been sampling the dream berries. And you see on the other side of the bush, Pike is just gone. He's drunk or stoned or whatever they do, he is messed up. And that's how the issue ends. This was a, uh, I don't want to call it a fill-in issue. Obviously, the story progresses. We now, Lita and Cutter have now come together. They are a couple and and heck by the end of it it's it's not even that they just decided we've got to get together and you know become lovers in the nighttime and take a little roll among the stones they uh they seem to be it's almost as if they have gotten married they have fallen in love because once once it happens once they once they join she's basically they're they're standing around next to each other you know holding each other in their arms and and just she has now become a part of his life and he has now become a part of her life. And that's a big step for this story because there's a one of the big keys, the, the, the biggest key to what is actually the, the, the quest that these elves go on couldn't happen without Lita and Cutter getting together. And we'll find out why by the next issue, maybe either, either issue six or issue seven. We'll, we'll get to that, but... Again, I just want to talk about how great this book is. There were panels in this book when when Skywise is up there on the stone arch with uh, Lita's dad and he howls for for Scouter. And I'm assuming because they can send, they can talk to each other telepathically, but it doesn't work over great distances. So he must have been too far away for that to work. Anyway, there's just these panels where Scouter jumps out of the cave and he jumps over a stone and it's like, I've read these books so many times that those there are certain panels that are just burned into my brain. And, and those were a couple of them. I will just read these issues and every once in a while I'll be like, oh, that panel just took me back to, you know, 1989 or something, you know, not necessarily when the book came out, but one of the times I read it. And so that this book, not only do I, am I, I'm still enjoying the story, but it just, these nostalgic waves just wash over me and I can suddenly smell what my bedroom smelled like back in high school and 
and junk like that. And also, I, I want to say there are certain moments within this book, the art reminds me a lot of this. I mean, this if they animated this story, it could very much be, if you remove the violence and the sexual overtones, it could very well be a Disney movie. There are some very heavily Disney-like influences on this art. The, the, the large eyes of the elves, even the way the wolves are drawn, very Disney-like. And uh, for some reason, I dig that. I don't, I don't know why. There, for some reason, it really works. But that was issue number five, folks. Only 15 more issues to go in the original quest. And then we have many more issues after that. But I got a question for you. Do you think we'll see Rayek again? Maybe. Maybe we will. But until then, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Be safe. Please, wear a mask. Just Another Fanboy is a Stephen or Else production. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about all the comics and such I don't have time to talk about here. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me at Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.